Well, here we are, sugars. I I can't believe it. Real, I really I can't believe that um, I'm about to introduce my 100th episode of the Dear Maddie Show. It makes me feel like my child is graduating high school or something. I feel old. Um, wow, I just this is the 100th episode. I just I can't. I'm again. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around that. When I was listening to this and recording, it's an emotional episode for me for a lot of reasons. I think you're going to find out. First of all, I mentioned my. First off, I'm mentioning talking about my dog in the room. So I recorded this when my little Sophie was still with us. So made me think of her. Also, too, so this episode is I did something a little different. And honestly, I didn't even realize until after, because I don't think I mentioned it during the show. I listened to the, the yeah, I um, I didn't even know this was my 100th episode. I'm so was on top. I just was recording episodes and I thought, I should be coming up on 100 soon. I should figure this out. And lo and behold, this is the episode that I recorded. And I recorded this with a gentleman named Matt Marr, actually. And we talk about in the episode how kind of we discovered one another. Uh, and, you know, this episode kind of took a different turn for me and I mean in a cool way in that I didn't know I didn't know who Matt Marr was at all I had never met him in person I had known him for like seeing him through posts some on Facebook and Instagram and I just thought huh he seems interesting seems very different than me and uh why don't I just have him on the show and I was shocked about how open and vulnerable he was about kind of the process he was going through in life so I hope you enjoy it I, I really I left doing this episode uh recommitted to kind of why I started Dear Maddie which was about the curiosity of people's lives and how can I you know be curious which, which is something I love and also be helpful so I hope that this episode is that for you, and I hope you enjoy my my hour with Matt Marr. So, all right, everybody, we are recording. Sophie, my dog, is trying to get comfortable. Come here. There you go, doggy. Hey, everybody, welcome to Dear Maddie Show. It's Matt Marr, and this is a very special episode. I know I just said this the other day about my friend Liz, but... This is either the most narcissistic episode I've ever done or one of the most special because today my guest is Matt Marr. Hi guys, I'm Matt Marr. I'm here with Matt Marr. <laughs> this is already confusing. Yes, we both of us have the name Matt Marr. Um, thank you for being here. This is, <laughs> we've Absolutely. never met in person. It's my pleasure. How long have we known each other now? Like six years? Via, Five years? Yes. I think what happened is about six, I was like bored at my day job and I just started like Googling Matt Mars on Facebook and like I found so many of them um, and then I just Facebook. You're the second one I met. I've actually met Matt Marr from Australia. How's Matt Marr from Australia? I haven't met him. He's totally gay and we're both like big Ugh. sassy queens together that's isn't that weird i mean maybe it makes sense i have been mistaken for gay in my life i'm not no you're not you're not you're very not. you have the velvet voice but oh and there's another gay matt marr who lives in west hollywood i Jesus. met him once in west hollywood i know him because he was on so you think you can dance in canada could he dance he, yeah he was like placed like number three but they switched my I'm... actor resume with him once Ooh, that and it's like help you. i went on the act they're like you have abs and are a dancer i'm like no i'm not but anyway i saw him was talking when i was talking to him and i think he thought i was hitting on him and i'm like i don't care even if you're a hot black man and your name's matt Marr. i don't think i could sleep with you it's just right weird. that's it's really just, 
It's just weird. There's a lot of days where you spend time with Matt Maher intimately anyways. Yeah. You know I've, had, more I've had sex with Matt Maher enough <laughs> right, 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 in middle right. school, so it's enough at this point. But anyway, so yeah, so you're, I realize you're the third Matt Maher that I've met, but the first one I, I've ever done a podcast with. So here's my memory of it. My memory of it is that somebody else got in touch with me asking about Matt Maher, and I think it was an entertainment thing. I think it was trying to get some stuff and i'm like i'd be happy to help with that i like doing stuff like that also i have no idea who you are and i don't think i'm the matt mar you're looking for and there is a tall gay clean shaven matt mar who is ranked higher on google searches than me this is like back in 2012 or 13 or whatever and that was a great running joke for me to tell people because i was the third ranked matt mar when i google searched for my own oh. computer which probably ranks it higher they probably know who oh yeah they probably Facebook do yeah uh, and you were the second, and you were doing good. I remember there was like a The YouTube. first Matt Marr is, gay Matt, is dancer Matt Marr. Well, it might be now, but when I looked, the first Matt Marr wasn't actually a Matt Marr at all. The first Matt Marr that came up was a country-western acoustic guitarist Christian oh, that Matt- singer who's a Matt Mayer. Yeah, like or, M-A-H-E-R, but, like, but yeah, he probably Y-E-R is stupid. He pronounced it Right, yeah, but, but not like Matt, not a real Matt Marr. You not know? a real Matt Marr, so thank you. I wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't. That's very validating for you to say that. Not a real Matt Marr. Well, I'm sure I haven't done much in the last couple of years. I'm sure I'm lower down and you're higher up. But you were, you know, it just, I felt bad because like, ah, oh, I'm not the leading Matt Marr. And the leading Matt Marr is not even a Matt Marr. It's what? not even a Matt Marr. Fuck him. What world is this? <laughs> that, well, and also too, do you still go to the proper barber to get your hair cut? Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, I found that out later. They, uh, yeah, they, they called me one day. doing our appointments yeah. for a while. They would put me with the wrong guy. I was like, what's going on? Then I realized we both were getting our hair cut at the same place. That's great. This is like, is this is like, this is a, like a, I was going to say it's like a romantic comedy, but not because we're related probably down the way. Your family's Scottish, right? Like um, eventually well, we go back to Scotland, Ireland. On my mom's side, which is not the Mars side, we have strong, strong Norwegian roots. Uh, and on my dad's side, which is the Mars side. It's just Irish, Scottish, Norwegian, British. You know, you just take a Viking down the coast, and like yeah. you have a decent amount of rape, and you end up with my dad's side of the family. Uh, I, by the way, I did not check what kind of uh, language filter you want. Oh, for fuck. This you can say whatever you want. Oh, that's fucking great, man. Oh, yeah. Could, I probably will anyway. You so. could say whatever you want. It's a, um, it's a relief. Goddamn relief. A goddamn relief. But we don't really look like, you kind of look like my cousin Thomas, but he's on my mom's side. So, yeah, I don't. Here's how I would describe no. it I feel like. One of us slipped out of some evil doppelganger dimension. You're the tall, clean-shaven, very gay, like Midwestern, sort of high-pitched, like friendly voice, Matt Marr. And I'm the straight, beardy, you know, like manly-esque. Like, it's hard for me to describe myself as manly knowing you know, Your beard is manly to Thank me. Thank you. Uh, yeah. We, that, dude, that, that's a podcast show right there. Matmar, Matmar, yeah, just like Mar squared. Matmar <laughs> squared, yeah. Well, you it. do for your show. You call yourself, and maybe in real life too, you call yourself Maddie, right? Yeah, I really, I only go by Maddie because um, it's kind of a play on Dear Abby, and um, it just some people call me Maddie. I don't know why I chose Dear Maddie. I, some people call me in California that call me Maddie. I mean, I guess it is a nickname that people just call. Me. Do people ever call you Maddie? Uh, I don't let them. But, I used to hate it, and now it's like it's what it is. But the thing is, there's a lot of Matts in our generation. Yeah, there are. There's a lot of Matthews, and it's always been easy for me. Like, in school, I ended up being Matthew in, like, a public school in, in my younger years. Mm-hmm. And when I became, when I considered myself, when I realized, like, I was an adult and I could choose how people referred to me, I'm like, mm-hmm. look, I'm Matt. And if since there are also so many fucking Matts all the places, 
Just call me Matt Marr. It's very simple. That's what most people call me is Matt Marr. Yeah, it's M-A-T-T, At least back home. M-A-R-R, two T's, two R's, bam, done. Let's move on. It's very easy for us to learn how to not spell our Matthew, name. Not Matthew, not Matt Smith or Jones or some What's other What's your middle Matt? name? Joseph. We have all my – that's, that's, I got that from my mom. That's a beautiful name, Matthew Joseph. Okay, so tell me a little bit. A little bit. So you're from Northern California, right? I'm from Sacramento. I so grew t- up there. So yeah. So tell me about – because what I think is interesting about you, other gay Matt Marr, there's also a comedian, a straight guy in Aust- who was like on a mayor, Australia's Got Talent in Australia, whose name is Matt Marr. Yeah. Um, but I, I, anyway, it's interesting. I found that because you still are doing some, but I feel like so many of Matt Marr's were all doing something creative. Right. Like That's where entertaining I'm me. learning there's more Matt Marr's is that they're all engaged in that sort of That's stuff. That's weird, it's, right? It's really weird. That's you weird. Know? So anyway, you're from – but I want to know about your story. So you're from okay. Sacramento. Like, so I'm from Sacramento. Uh, I grew up – uh, in a little bit east of downtown, like 10 miles in the suburbs with okay. my family. That's where my mom's side of the family. I'm a friend from Roseville. Around. Yeah, that's pretty close. Like, I okay. didn't, that's a slightly nicer neighborhood. I, I grew up in Carmichael. Okay. Like in between Arden Arcade and Citrus Heights. Um, okay. If those things mean anything. They don't, but okay. And, you know, like as a kid, like people would come up through Sacramento, you know, on the way to like Oregon or just visiting or mm-hmm. from the Bay Area and they'd be like, I don't know what you guys like do here. This is kind of like boring. And I never got that as a kid. And then in 2011, I moved to LA and I was like, oh, I do kind of see what they mean. You know, like if I want to walk to a Starbucks back home, it's like a fucking mile to go one block (laughs) and they're not open on Christmas. Where do I get my fucking coffee? (laughs) You know, Uh, but I ended up getting involved in improv comedy back in 2007. I was like 2021. Where at? Uh, Comedy Sports Sacramento. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have a good, like, short form. It's very structured. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I've heard and, of it. And uh, shout out to Chris Crotty, who, you know, I'm just terrible about being friends with people if they're not in my immediate view. Like, very no, short term memory. Yeah, that's, that's so, cool. uh But he's a, he's a great guy. He started the franchise there and was just super helpful to all the kids, all my peers, and, like, helped people learn and would run... Uh, extra programs like after the show we could do a long form show if the audience stuck around or mm-hmm. just for fun we could do it anyways so he taught me a lot um, I got involved because I felt like the way that I was being a cynical jackass like 100% of the time in my life <laughs> I needed an outlet for that where it was a positive thing where I could uh, reframe my thoughts to be a little bit faster where I could be I could learn sort of how to interact with people who I had just met mm. where it wasn't awkward to me if mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to say because, like, growing up in, like, high school and stuff, you know, high school kids can be – I didn't really like the group of children that I grew up with in that area of the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Back in high school at Del Campo, all the kids were, like, super thrilled that Bush got elected. They were mm-hmm. like, I tried to vote for Bush. I'm like, dude, you're, like, 17. They shouldn't be letting – like, you're not legally allowed to vote. Yeah. Like, stop. <laughs> I know how old you are. We've, we've been in the same school for years. You, 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 just stop. And, you know, they couldn't explain what it was about him that they liked. Their parents were just conservative, and so were they. Of course, my mom's like a bleeding heart hippie, and so I probably would look back on it now and not be able to describe, not not identify with the way I would have described back in 2003. So lucky. I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do think that. Uh, anyway. So, but no, I love that though that you knew that, like, because improv, improv, I tell people improv, improv, because I did it here out at, at IO West. And that's, um, a, that's legitimate. Uh, yeah. yeah um, but it's just everybody in life should fucking do improv. 
it's just going to help you in some way and you have no idea why. Right. It's a really legitimate life skill to be comfortable with the unknown and be open to new experiences and to not feel like your level of participation is mandatory. That's, that's what Uh it, that's what it taught me is that like Mm -hmm. you can have an improv scene and take it in a different way than other people are expecting Mm -hmm. and everything will be fine. And if they have a problem with that, you can work with that. That could be a natural consequence of doing something that they're not prepared for. They Mm -hmm. might not like that, but that doesn't mean that that is your fault or it's your responsibility. Or even if you are helping correct that and making Mm -hmm. it a better reality, doesn't mean that you have to feel a negative experience about that. No. So for me, it was very valuable. Uh, and when I moved to LA in 2011, I'd been doing the shows at Comedy Sports and some other freelance stuff, you know, for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we got paid. And I moved to LA. I'm like, let's try to get paid and also do stuff that's like a little bit higher ceiling because the form of Comedy Sports is really, 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 really structured, mm-hmm. so that you can have people who are. So it's like a great for me. It was great training because I didn't feel very confident when I first started for like the first year or two. Mm. And by the end of it, you know, I was like, yeah, I do feel like I'm a, I'm capable of this. Uh, of course, I moved to L.A., and L.A. is just brutal for comedy, and the business aspect of it is not it's something pretty. that I've gotten along with. So now I'm, like, farthest away from that out of the last 10 years of my life because um, I realized in the last couple of years that uh, when I was trying to mess around with stand-up so I didn't mm-hmm. have to rely on as many other people, that part of the reason I did it to learn how to interact with people, I succeeded at. And part of the reason I was staying doing it was because I felt when I was younger, like I had a negative attitude about the world. That doesn't have to be true. And doing stand-up regimes and focusing on one set and like ironing it down. After all the years of improv, I just have real trouble doing a set for the third time. Oh my God, me too. Dude, it's just so not valuable to me to focus on those negative energies. Yeah. And I haven't figured out how to be as funny in a positive way because I really haven't figured out how to be positive at all. (laughs) So it just was a thing that was making me a little bit more worse off in the last couple of years and stepping back from it allows me to, you know, just feel healthier. Mm. Like that's not a thing that I have to do with my life. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And if I get back into it, like, you know, doing a podcast with you is low stress for me because it's not going to determine the course of the rest of my life. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what, well, I, so I've got a lot. <laughs> no, you said a lot. So I'm like thinking. So like, I, I love though that like, so I want to talk about this a little bit. Cause I bet that I have a lot of listeners that probably some people potentially feel this way. And that like being like a cynical person, like, cause you describe yourself that way. Like, that I can relate to that because I know people that, but like right. I've always kind of been like, I don't know why, like the opposite, just annoyingly like, ee! and so that's like, great. But well, either one is both are great. So I'm wondering, like, though, is it like, like my friend Jake, he can be cynical about stuff. Um, you know, we're like sisters. He's like the bitchy one. I'm like the sweet one or whatever, but still like. But he still seems happy. Did it? Does it affect your happiness to or, or contentment to be cynical? Or is it? I have a feeling if you're asking questions like this, we're going to have a very long podcast because I have a lot of ideas. I, well, you're about intelligent. Sort of stuff you're, I can in, tell you're smart. Particular. No, I want to hear your answer. Uh, so, and if I say anything that's too uncomfortable, just say no, Matt. <laughs> Struck out from the record. <laughs> uh, no, I'll I'll go in on this for a minute at least, um, probably for like the next ten hours if you let me. So <laughs> you can also stop me when it's too long. Okay, I will. Uh, I feel like I'm very balanced between my mom and my dad, and I feel like that's not as much nurture now at. 30 going on 31. I feel like that's more of a genetic thing. Mm-hmm. My dad passed away a few years ago. He oh, had I'm so sorry. Multiple systems atrophy. It's MSA, which is 
like the great evil grandfather of Parkinson's. Parkinson's uh, is like a subset of MSA. And I had a stepfather who had Parkinson's. So I can Parkinson's is pretty bad, but it's if they're calling it Parkinson's, that means that there's more of an understanding where the symptoms come from. Not that that means a lot because it's still a very insidious, like fatal disease. Uh-huh. It's brutal. And it's brutal to yeah. witness someone have that decline. And I can only imagine how awful it would be to suffer through that and not realize that you are having thoughts and you're expressing them as words, but actually mm-hmm. your body isn't saying anything. That was the thing that was the worst for me watching my dad go through that is that he wouldn't realize when he wasn't saying the things that he mm. was thinking. He thought mm. he was saying them, but the body was just so slow that the words never even came out. They weren't even mumbled sometimes. Mm. He declined really fast and he had had other uh, health issues. Um, he was diagnosed depressive and Theoretically, before I have real memories, my mom said that there were some antidepressants that really helped him and put mm. him back to where he was as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know the truth of the situation. I always saw him as being not the best father. He didn't perform mm-hmm. the best. But he had a blood cancer where his body just overmade red blood cells. So his mm. blood was like super thick. He would have to have blood thinners every day, like just Advil, so that oh, wow. like, it wouldn't mess with his brain. And every month they would draw blood. This is in like the last 10 years of his life because he would have too much. He'd be too, too thick. Oh, wow. It would make him lethargic. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of like snowball cascading health effects where like I worked with him throughout all of 2009 running the family water utility up in Tahoe. Okay. And I would see him, you know, we'd go out all morning and like do all this digging and run bag hose and all this like really hard labor. And he'd interact with people. and He'd be fine. Lunch would roll around. We'd stop by his house and like hang out for a minute. And his lunch would be a scoop of ice cream. Really? No joke. And he wasn't like a super overweight dude. You know, he was like 51-ish around there. He died when he was 55 in 2014. And, I mean, I think those numbers are right. It's, it hasn't been super important to me, you know, the exact age of my parents. So I could be off by a year or two. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a lot of interlock between the part where he felt lethargic or potentially depressed from like his blood being too thick mm. and just not having as much energy. And then that got mm-hmm. worse from eating unhealthy, which when you don't have enough energy to like, you know, he couldn't regulate that part of his mm-hmm. real lifestyle because he didn't have the energy for it. Uh, you know, and like him and my mom only stayed together until I was about 10 and okay. they broke up and got back together and broke up and got back together. And the other women that I saw my dad with were like not... I didn't respect them even as a teenager, you know, Mm -hmm. they they were crazy and sucked. Do you have siblings? I have a sister who's four years younger. Okay, cool. Um, And I take after my mom who's super logical and super positive and just cannot be depressed, like doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to explain to her that it's a thing that people are capable of and it's just so different from her life experience that she can't emotionally identify with. Mm. So just the other week when she was visiting, I had a really good analogy and that's what I'm going to get to, but I'm also I'm, giving you the backstory of how No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh my dad was super depressive and like really could not recover from setbacks emotionally and because of that sometimes let that affect his real-world performance of like what his activity level was. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and like, well, if you just let go of those emotions, then you could do the right thing to recover from that in a way that then the emotions would resolve themselves later anyways, because you had solved the original problem. Mm-hmm. The emotions are just a symptom. Um, and my mom was being super positive, like as far as I know her whole life. And so for me, 
the cynicalness, I have no idea if it's it's a chicken and egg situation. I don't mm-hmm. know if there is like a brain chemistry problem that makes me identify with depressive episodes, mm-hmm. but I'm capable of depressive episodes. And the analogy that works for my mom is that she has no sense of direction. She is a very mm-hmm. logical person and she's very capable and competent. And if you give her an atlas and a map, where my dad actually uh, drove, did trucking, they, they paired up and had a sleeper cab mm. back in the... 70s and 80s before I, I was remember born. friends families and you know there's no gps there's no cell phones back then no. they had to have a whole atlas of all of the united states they visited all 48 continental united states they did deliveries that was like 10 years of their life after high school you know they just wanted to be free and in charge of their own schedule mm-hmm. and stuff yeah uh and my mom's great with the maps she you know she has an atlas she can read the map she can, she's very detail oriented what are these streets where are we going how mm-hmm. long is it going to take and if you were to spin her in a circle in the middle of that and she didn't have street signs, she'd have no idea where the fuck she is. Mm. Just be completely lost right away with five seconds of not paying attention. Mm. And that doesn't bother her. She's an upbeat person. You know, she just puts the work in to overcome that. Mm-hmm. But for me, the analogy that really makes sense is that for people who are capable of depressive episodes, it's like not having an inherent sense of direction. Like mm. you just don't have any like magnetism. You don't, if you close your eyes and spin around and look up, you have no inner intuition about which way to go, to left, right. The, all the mm. trees look the same. If you don't have a roadmap, if you don't have signs, if you can't tell on the atlas where you are and where you're trying to get to, it'll really fuck with you. You'll not know whether you're going forward or backwards. You'll not know what level of effort to apply because if you go the way that your intuition tells you to go but you know you have no sense of direction, you could be going backwards the way you just came and not realize it. Mm. So as long as you have like a plan, as long as I know how much energy to put in and I am paying attention, I feel like I'm not very much at risk to have like a depressive episode and like Mm -hmm. totally lose my way. But that's led me to be very wary of, as I get older, I just have to keep crossing things off the list that I can like binge addict into, like uh, I have to be more careful with drinking. I don't Mm -hmm. really smoke weed anymore, which I did in high school, like that sort of stuff just has to keep getting thrown away because it's too easy for me to get distracted and forget what the checklist is to like mm. actually be happy. Being happy is like work. I don't have yeah. a problem with that, but I have to be aware that that is the reality of the situation mm-hmm. and I have to continue. I have to plan out a roadmap and feel like it's a road trip and feel like I'm making progress on that because if I'm not doing that, I'm going to look up and not know whether or not it's been five years or five seconds, but somehow I don't know where I am or which way is the correct way to go. Mm. And another way that I found to describe that to people, if they do have a sense of direction and they can't emotionally identify with either not having a sense of direction or being capable of depressive episodes Mm -hmm. is some of those people aren't very good at math. So imagine it's a math problem. Obviously you'll be able to get the math problem done if you spend enough time and sit there with paperwork but if somebody comes in and they're talking to you about a music, uh, like a band that you really like, you're going to look back at the paper that you're doing your math homework and you're going to be like, fuck, this is hard. That's me. Yeah. And so, you know, you can, I assume you're very capable of doing the math, but that's so much work for so little reward for some people mm-hmm. that they never make it into a skill. And for me, in order to, the thing that I would tell people in order to overcome either the cynicism or the depression, whichever one comes first. Mm-hmm is that you just have to think about it as it's just one of the, you know, you just have to do it. Like it just has to be a thing that's on your list of things to do for the day. And like my mom, I'm really into making lists and having plans and 
having a lot of information so that I can order my life around what I think would be the right choice. Mm -hmm. Unless, you know, like I could show you on my phone all the, like not OCD, but like I have records going back for like all the cash money I've spent for like years. Cause I just write it down every time I spend five bucks. I'm like, mm -hmm. I had coffee today. It was five bucks. I don't always go in and put them into the Excel, Excel spreadsheet. I'm trying to be now. better about that. Right. Well, but if you don't need to do that, I don't know that it's worth the time. It ends up no, taking, I'm, you know, yeah. those five seconds every time can add up for people. And for me, it's helpful to know that I was capable of doing that. I did that for a couple of years. If I stopped doing it now, I imagine my life would be perfectly fine and hardly change. But doing it has a sense of I can fact check. Like if something goes wrong and I don't feel emotionally great, I can go back. I can look. I do the same thing for what I eat. I can look at what I ate. I can look at what I spent. I can be like, what actually happened on those days? Have some records that I can trust more than the emotional center of my brain since it mm -hmm. lies all the time. I feel like you have, which I admire. Um, and if we well, – the thing says one battery light left. It should be fine. But if it stops, I'll just change the batteries. Um, but I feel like um, – you know, I, I don't really do New Year's resolutions anymore because I'm just kind of over them. But I do kind of like at the beginning of the year, I, I'm all about like I do uh, New Year or on my birthday or often I'll do this in the fall. It's like a, those are just for me like taking stock times of like seeing where I've been and where I'm going. And so what – the one of my words this year, I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to think about intentions and words and not necessarily like I'm going to do this by this year and I'm going to be fine. I'm going to read a book a week. That's fine if people do that kind of stuff. But for me, I was like, I really just want to be habitual. I want to develop good habits because I'm not great at that. I'm nodding my head the whole time you're talking. You but see... I realize no one can see that on the podcast. Oh, so no. Yes, I agree. <laughs> no, but you are – and I'm getting better at this because – for me, I think if I think about the intention instead of just one thing, it affects more of things in my life. Where, like for the first time, I don't do it every week, but I think probably let's see, it's April now, and we've let's see, like sixteen weeks out of the year, and probably for like eight of them, my boyfriend and I have totally like meal planned and like planned out what we're gonna and like ate healthy. I've never fucking done that in my life. Right. So that's a habit I'm trying to build and working out stuff. Have you – it seems like – and granted, I just met you in, in person today, but it seems like you are pretty effective at, I want to do this, I want to plan this, and I'm pretty good at – Is that, again, is that something you've always done or is that something you, you – you No, the older I've gotten, the more I've built into that, the more I've I'm just jealous doubled of it. it's really down cool. on that sort of thing. And to me – I just like data sets. I like uh, information. Mm -hmm. I would say I like learning, but I'm not sure that's entirely true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what I like about it isn't necessarily the planning aspect of it. I like the retrospective aspect of it. I like to keep track of what actually happens. I don't know if this was what I would have said a few years ago mm -hmm. in the middle of like learning some of this stuff. But mm -hmm. what I like to do is just... It's been so hard for me to not have expectations about fucking everything. Mm -hmm. I try to not like judge myself in the moment. I get, I'm saying this and it sounds like more new agey than I had expected. Welcome to the Dear Maddie show. This is yeah, Tapish Top. I've been called the gay Y Oprah, even though I'm not. <laughs> but. So it doesn't bother me if I eat in and out three days in a row. Mm hmm. But I'm going to write that down. I'm not going to pretend that that's not what happened. I'm, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> and then. Later, I'm going to look I laugh at... laugh because I've done that. Yeah, right? Because <laughs> later, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to be like, man, 
on the, the whole weekend, I just started to like really feel like it was on a downward trend, and I don't know what it was. And I was like, I literally didn't eat for whatever reason my emotional state was, except for when I finally got hungry enough, I'd go to In-N-Out, and I'd get the burger, and I'd get the fries, and I'd get the shake. And that's what I did for three days in a row. And really, that's not really the right kind of input for your body, and I know that. So if I don't write that down, I might just be like, gee, I feel bad, and I don't know why. And if I write that down, that helps me later when I feel bad assign a logical narrative to it so uh-huh. that then I can like sort of throw those emotions away. I have an excuse to not have to listen to that part of my brain. Cause um, I don't really feel like in modern society, humans as we are with language and everything, I don't really feel like emotions in your brain in general is necessarily on your team. Mm. Like the part where you have thoughts and intuitions and stuff. I'm not sure that I would entirely classify that as the same as your own. Like that's not necessarily the same part of you that you think of as you. Mm. If my emotions crop up and they make me feel like shit and that makes me not behave well, I don't mm-hmm. eat right, I don't go out when I should be saying hi to my friends, mm-hmm. or like even I just feel selfish, not selfish, but like paranoid that the people who are wishing me well or that I am choosing to be friends with don't really have my best interests in heart, which may or may not be true. And it is something that probably people should be aware of. Like, you, I don't think that it's good for me to just throw that away and just be carefree. You mm-hmm. know, that's how people get exploited. But if I can find a thing like, well, I haven't been sleeping and I have been smoking a lot of drugs and I have been drinking like seven beers a night and I only have been eating in and out and it's been like that for the last half of a week. Yeah, no shit. I don't feel great. Yeah. Like, okay, I can let go of the where it's a problem that I don't feel great, except that I don't feel great and move on from there. That That's why I do it is so that I can help it. So like it you're not emotionally to, it, blackmailing yourself. Right. I don't double down on the part where I feel I feel bad and then I feel bad for feeling bad yes. and I feel bad for feeling bad for feeling bad and doing stuff like this helps me have a more objective view of what really has been happening and helps me justify my behavior. Well, this Matt Mars is a lot smarter than the one you've been listening to for about a year and a half, folks. <laughs> I see you just sound like that on the first podcast. You wait for if there was Matt Mark podcast number wait three, it'd be 10. like, uh, uh, all right, calm down, other Matt Mark, calm down. Um, I'm so okay. My mind is like spinning. So we'll get to some questions. Maybe we'll see. Um, I'm, I want to know about Matt Mark's life, but okay. So so you're now and so you've kind of taken a seat more from doing or back seat to for doing stand up comedy. Like so, what? Yeah, I was never good at it, and I never tried very I'm hard. Okay, I, I don't remember. Okay. What um what are you passionate though about now like or are you, are you still in that kind of like pivoting point? I mean I don't know what I'm going to be doing as like a business thing that will support me for the rest of my life. That's why I asked what you're passionate about cuz Thank you. Yeah. Uh I'll tell you truthfully right now what, what I've been most passionate about is been surfing and then I just went snowboarding for the first time in 10 years a month ago. And I totally broke my shoulder, and I haven't oh, yeah. been able to do anything that, like, I rely on for, like, uh, physical, emotional, like, satiation, you know, mm-hmm. to, like, take the edge off of real life. I've been going fucking stir-crazy just mm. so bad. I just went to the doctor yesterday, and they told me, oh, it's healing great. The bones are on the way to mending. It should heal perfectly. You can take the sling off. You don't need to wear the sling. This is great. I'm like, okay, so can I go back to surfing? Can I do pull-ups? Like, uh, I've been trying to learn how to do a handstand off the wall. Can I do that? Oh, no, no, no. Don't use your arm. Wait, so take the sling off, but also don't use it? Mm. Right. You can just start the physical therapy of having someone else lift it and you not engaging the muscles. Or if you get good enough at it, using your left arm to lift your right arm without engaging the muscles around the shoulder. It's a T-Rex arm. Think of it as a T-Rex arm. (laughs) 
I mean, I <laughs> so wish the doctor. That's me paraphrasing. You wish they would have said. I wish they would have been that much fun. So, well, what is okay? Because this Matt Mar, I'm pointing to myself is. Maybe because I'm from Oklahoma, a landlocked state. I'm a little scared of the ocean still. So what is it you love about surfing? Uh, well, I had been trying to get in shape living around Hollywood and how, like, even the people who have no relation. The dogs have abs here. Holy shit. It's yeah. incredible. It's, it's incredible. incredible. <laughs> I go back to where I grew up, and the kids that I grew up with are all, like, linebacker-sized people. They're six foot three, and they're 300 pounds, and it's not really muscle. They're just fucking huge. Yeah. That's I grew up and felt— <laughs> Like, I was not a big, like, person. I feel know? skinny when I go home to Oklahoma. Right. And I don't think that that's necessarily good for them, but it's also not anything that I have an emotional connection with until I moved to near Hollywood, and I'm just like, you're a dog walker, and you look like that? <laughs> you look like you could, like, fucking punch Arnold Schwarzenegger out. <laughs> and Arnold Schwarzenegger bikes back, and he's, like, 78 or something these days, and he looks like he could eat all the people doing weights on the beach. Like... <laughs> It's just a situation where after a couple of years of being around it, I was like, you know what, though? There's no reason that I don't also want to be at some point in my life in an incredible shape. And now I'm training on 31. So last year I got into surfing because, you know, it's just like as an adult, it took a while for me to start learning like, oh, I would like to do a thing. There's no reason I don't do that thing. Like, mm. Just make the decisions to make it happen. And it's a great up- it's a huge upper body workout. You're paddling all the time, mm-hmm. uh, which I hadn't expected. And because even though I grew up being thin, um, I've always had a very fat ass. <laughs> I really too bad you weren't gay. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> what a word! That's you. not the first time that I've heard that. I'll tell you. I don't know. We're in the dozens now. So, uh, so for me to find a thing that really encouraged me to do upper body workouts that I was struggling to maintain a regimen for was mm-hmm. great, and I. Did like snowboarding the handful of times I did as a teenager, but I was always really worried about getting injured. Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, and in surfing, you it's really just twist the like risk reward to be a lot lower, in my opinion. Snowboarding, everyone who goes snowboarding or skiing, you talk to them, they all have a story of when they stopped doing it forever because they got too injured and they were laid out for six mm. months or a year and it's just like not worth it. You talk to anybody who's an adult who was into that and like that's when they stopped their career of doing it is because it was like going to fucking break them permanently. Or kill them. Or kill them. In surfing, you fall down and you fall in water. <laughs> water. And I'm not, I'm not saying for people to not be afraid of the water because the water's not usually going to break your bones. It's not going to put you out for a couple of months. But if you fuck up, it'll kill you. You'll drown. Yeah. And you can always have that thing where if you're just not a strong swimmer or if you panic too hard, you can drown. Yeah. So it's just a different sense of risk-reward. And for me, it was a thing that I could do that got me more in the mindset for exercise that is a huge amount of fun that I picked up much faster mm-hmm. than I thought. Like I stood up on my first day out. I was using that big foam Costco board, the wave storm, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it was, it's just, you live on the West side too, right? Yeah. I moved to Culver city. So like, I'm like six, seven miles away from the beach, but you know, it's like a 30 minute drive. I just drive down in the morning, like six in the morning, you know, it started, it gave me an excuse to wake up early in the morning. Hell, you can take the train now if you wanted to. Well, I wouldn't want to take the train with a surfboard. Yeah, yeah, no, you wouldn't. But, uh, you know, there, I have options if I, don't, if I don't want to drive. You know, like, it's available to me. It got me out to the beach. And I lived here for years, and I'd gone to the beach, like, four times. I'm like, why would I go yeah, to the beach? Yeah, I don't go a lot. Like, it just, it just fit the life that I was living. And, you know, there is a sense. Uh, I'll be real. I wanted to get some pictures of me looking cool with a surfboard. <laughs> Like, that's a legitimate thing, though. That's like, a legitimate thing. I, I, You said that, and I was like, ooh, I kind of want that. Right? But I would just... 
surfing has a, has a pretty cool social zeitgeist right now where it, like it is a thing it's you gonna can do get it you laid cooler girls guys more. it's gonna get laid more for i'm sure totally on board i want that for myself should i want that for you as well i want that for i want that for all Thank matt, you, matt mars all matt mars <laughs> should have opportunities like this i hope every matt mars is getting laid out there please <laughs> i hope they're getting laid i hope they get to surf if they want to if they want now, I did now the one time I did have a beard, which is where I got the idea to color my hair because my beard is full on like red, red, red. Is I'm it not, redder than your hair right now? Because your hair is pretty red right now. It is. It's are, like are you coloring more, your hair for that? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good choice. It works. Thank you. Well, I did it because I just kind of did it because oh, I thought it'd be fun. And then as an actor, I started working like all the fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> Once you started coloring your hair. Yeah. So Jesus Christ. But it was good though because it made me not real. Say yes, I can have talent and drive and all those kind of things, but it made me realize. Or I can have fucking red hair, and that's why I get the part, and it literally is out of my control. It, isn't it really Stop weird? Stop stressing about it. I just want to, for me, it was really weird when I realized that I had not treated acting and any of that entertainment stuff as being, like, I just, growing up, I, I was not on sports teams, so I, I think I had a real divide between intellectual and physical, mm-hmm. and the kids, the peers around me who were into physical stuff were shitty people. I'm, yes, I can relate to that. Like, you know, if you're in high school in America, where I'm not in my head as well. and you're like on the football team, and it doesn't matter whether or not you're the quarterback or you know the quarterback, you're gonna treat the other kids like shit. You have a team, you're doing a thing. It's a lot of work. You are in the best shape you might ever be in your life. Mm-hmm. It's gonna feel natural to like pick on the nerds and stuff. And mm-hmm. I identify way more with the kids who are getting bullied than I do with the kids who are doing the bullying. Mm-hmm. And so I realized this is part of the thing that made me step away from the way I was looking at entertainment. Is that I realized that I was like. Not appreciating the acting and film where they look at, you know, the ha- like more than half of it is how you look. How you look neutrally when you just stand there, that's very important for whether or not they want you to, like, that's like the most important part. Your resting face Your is resting- very important. To- and it's true. There doesn't, nec- like, thinking about it like some intellectual goal to, like, oh, I want to be an actor and stuff. Like, that doesn't necessarily have any impact on whether or not that's a thing that you're. Not that you're capable of, but whether or not it ends up being mm-hmm. a thing that you do a lot of. That's why I started doing uh, podcasting, and that's why I'm starting to do like more VO stuff because I like voice. Because it truly is. I mean, there's still a little bit of that, but it's but you're but it's cool when I do voiceover stuff. I can be like like I just took this class with a guy who's a Porky uh, voice of Porky the Pig. Great class. His name's Bob Bergen. But like one of the characters I got to play was like this guy who was like. Hey, I'm a muscly like it. I would never fucking play that character in real life. But as my voice, it's like, oh, I get to be an actor and play and do stupid shit and be, you know, just be different. It it was, it was, yeah, it was. Anyway, it's a. It's not about me. It's about you, Matt Mars. But uh, (laughs) but it's about Matt Mars. It's about about Matt Mars. But um. Anyway, it was it was it is great. Now, although you've got a good look though, Fred, you have. This memoir is jealous of your blue eyes. Sure. You have beautiful blue Thank eyes. Thank you, but but I get it. The I part get it. It's where I have a thing. beard and I have a haircut and like theoretically I have some sense of fashion style. I had he to said that realize cause I told him that earlier because he does. Yeah. Well, also because with, with my arm in sling for the last month, this is like the first time I get to put on real clothes. Oh, okay. I've like I've just had dunches. I was like, oh, I have to dress up and feel alive. I had to choose at some point in my life in the last like five years or so. That that's an important thing. I'm in charge of how I look. I can make those decisions. Mm. And I do care. Like, why wouldn't I want to look better? Because I, I think I just had baggage about associating that, again, with, like, the popular kids and the physical kids. And yeah. 
I just had a separation where I wanted to be an intellectual person. And to me, doing improv and comedy was working those muscles out. Totally ignoring the part that the audience watching me, probably more than half mm. of their enjoyment is like the physicality. Like I, that can't be separated if you're doing in voiceover work is the closest you, closest you can get. And it's not like I, I sound like this and sometimes I get compliments for my voice. But Yeah, you have a beautiful voice. Right. And so there's like a little bit of thought that goes into it where like I am – somewhat trying to control the speech patterns but it's, it's not really i don't really choose to have like a deep voice like mm-hmm. that's just how it ended up i don't know how you would do that i don't know that you choose to sound the way that you choose mm-hmm. i don't think you're playing it up for the podcast no. nobody means to sound this homosexual <laughs> <laughs> maybe some people you know what though that just kind of made my my brain kind of i had a little aha right there because i realized because my boyfriend is much he's much more Fashiony, but not in a not in a not in a overextending kind of detrimental way. But he does care about how he looks, and I'm always like, I don't care, I don't. And I realize until you said that, Matt Moore, I don't want to equivocate that because I was like the nerd, more bully kid, and I don't want to be like a, a so I associate that with the people that were yeah. in the in crowd. Like literally, you said that, and I could feel like my body go, oh, that's. Where a part of that comes for me. And it sucks to have been working with yourself and only living in your own brain for like 25, 28, 30 years. That's all we got. And to yeah. realize, oh, wait, oh, I don't want to care about that, but choosing not to care about it is also a choice that shows how much I care about it. You can't escape <laughs> you can't. that reality. You have that to, reality. not making a choice is still making a choice. Hmm. Uh yeah, I guess you could be a therapist, Matt Marr. <laughs> you're I, you're like making me think some here. If you give me nine more years of school, and you know, like it's not <laughs> a quick path to get there. It's not a quick. Uh, don't do it. Don't do this. <laughs> you don't think that's a? I was thinking about just literally. say your life coach, and you can just life say coach, them. right? Then you can say anything. Not then you can say anything. You just can't. If somebody's like I don't know, suicidal or gonna kill someone, you can't handle it. That's Listen, uh, my comments have not been evaluated by the FDA. I've got a. <laughs> got to recommend you to someone a little bit more qualified than this. Also, I don't really want to help you. This isn't going to look good for my career anyways. <laughs> Noah, I should say, again, I don't know how much time we're going to have. No, it's fine. But uh, right before I moved to L.A., one of the things that gave me the freedom to move to L.A., which is a way that I try to talk about it because there are other ways to look at it, is mm. that my house burned down mm. in Sacramento where I was living. I was living with my mom again and like... I was there when that happened, and mm-hmm. I left with my boxers, my shirt, uh, my phone. And I, I went back and got the dog and didn't really have anything else after that. I mm. had some close friends. Again, shout out to Chris Crotty because I was doing improv, and he did a benefit show. He organized pretty quick and raised me like $1,000 from oh, donations from, from the wow, audience. Wow, that's very kind. Uh, and that was a huge, you know, that's like one of the great, like whenever I feel down about my life, I have to like, Stop myself and be like, actually, people have cared about me and done me a great. Yeah. You know, there are people who have done me a great service. Because you literally don't have clothes except for the ones on your back. I, I literally – and That's like a... I didn't have shoes that survived. Like all the stuff – I have close wow. friends who donated stuff to me, like hand-me-downs and stuff, you know. Uh, this, the few people who I, I felt were in my corner for like all of high school and junior mm. high that I'd, I'd chosen to be my best friends for life. And that helped me get back on my feet. But like – it wasn't until 2013, 2014 that I finally got like established working as a server bartender down in LA and started to like buy my own clothes and have a wardrobe that was like my choice again. Mm. That wasn't just whatever people had that they could give me that like, you know, coming down here, cause I, I lasted about like four, maybe six months in Sacramento after that. 
at my cousin's place. Like, Ooh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I was thinking about moving to LA and I really don't know how I'm going to recover here. Mm-hmm. So let's do it. Let's do it right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, if I look back on it, like it's a, it's a shame to have not had that realization earlier and just been like, look, somebody loaned me $10,000 so I can buy all my goddamn fucking clothes again and not look like a kid in a sweater two sizes too big on stages at Second City Hollywood mm-hmm. and like open mics in Orange County and the North Valley and stuff like that where it's like, I don't know why I'm not getting as much of a comedy reset. I guess LA is really hard. It's like, or I just don't look as good as I should, could. You know? mm-hmm. like That's going to register on people's radar. Hmm. Hmm. Well, let's see. I'm looking at time here. Well, let's do, because you brought it up, let's answer one question. Okay. And then we'll see how long this takes, and we'll either do another question or we'll go to, because we still have Chatty Matty at the end. So I am so happy, though, you were here right now. Like, I love this conversation. Um, Thank you, Matt Marr. Matt Marr is also happy to be here. Yeah, good. It's never going to get old to me. Either. It's never going to get, it's never, ever, ever going to get old. Well, and also, too, it makes me happy that someone that, that has literally shares my name is honestly someone so um, human and like you're all heart. I love that. I love that. Love that. Love that. I hate it. So thanks. <laughs> thanks for appreciating that. Cause I don't, I, I, well, because people don't do that. People, I don't have a choice. They don't allow themselves to do it. And so I just think it's like, I just think you're brave as fuck. Thank so, you. um, all right. So you laughed at this question. So, and I thought it was funny too. So let's, let's answer it. This is from Devin, a father who's of the age 40. And Devin says, uh, he says, Dear Maddie, I'm pretty sure my 11 year old son is smoking pot. I don't really have anything against a teenager smoking pot a little bit. I did, but 11. So I have two questions. Do you think that's too young to be smoking pot? And where do you think he's hiding it? Because I've looked all over his room and I can't find a thing. Thanks, Devin, age 40. Now, you said I've smoked pot three times in my life. Oh. Two of them I've ended up naked and afraid, so Holy it makes shit. me paranoid. And the other time, like the first, which is the first time nothing happened. So I don't do pot anymore because it's bad. So you said you smoked a little bit in high school. Like, do you think, so first, what do you think, 11-year-old smoking pot? I mean, that's too young. I think it's too that's young. That's my too. immediate reaction. That's my immediate reaction, too. It's pretty young. It's pretty young for that. Like I, 13, all right, 14. It was, it's a, it was a huge, valuable experience in my life. At six, sixteen, at sixteen or seventeen, whenever I got into weed in high school, it was great. It was really opened me up. I mean, you've heard the way I've talked on this podcast. These are not like ideas that I'm creating right now. Mm-hmm. My brain is just always, always fucking going. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge problem for me in high school, where like all of that noise drowned out the options that I had and how to interact mm-hmm. with other people. And when I smoked weed. You know, it's like I could have fun. I could do all the jokes. It sort of like narrowed the probability matrix in my head down to like one or two options. It shut Mm. out the other like competing angles. Uh, You know, I don't want to say voices, but you know, it like really let me focus on one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, It let me have more fun. It let me let go of the way other people viewed me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like a cool thing to do. Like I got laid because I started smoking. (laughs) I I, I was uh, before that I was a virgin. And after I started smoking, I wasn't. So like I recommend it. (laughs) But I I, that lasted until I was maybe 20 or 21. And it just like as an adult. Like it just isn't worth the motivation loss. It can like linger sort of like a sort of like a hangover for me for like four or five days. Mm. 
And the way that I keep track of stuff, you know, I noticed that's sort of the thing that made me start keeping track of things was trying to be an adult and trying to get stuff done. Like, where is this lack of motivation coming from? Why mm-hmm. don't I care? Why do I feel down? And it really correlated very strongly with, for me that I could have a really good night smoking. But then like the whole next week would kind of be shot for a lot of the goals I had. Like I just could not mm. perform up to my own standards. Well, and it, you know, it's down there. So a lot of people, honestly, like after like they smoke pot, they, their anxiety increases. Right. Like the, the, uh, the uh, primary effects last for like maybe like six hours. Like let's yeah. say it's a crazy cool trip and you have like a whole day, like a festival, like a concert. And it's like 12 hours, noon to midnight. You're great. You go home. You got a full night's sleep. Only a full night's sleep turns out to be like 18 hours and like the next day is shot and you wake mm. up and you're like still groggy and like you're not going to – it's just going to snowball. For me, it snowballs into all these other poor mm. choices and I can still do it and it's just that now, you know, if I touch it at all, if, uh, like second hand, I can just get like high like that. Oh, and, wow. And you know now in California with things like becoming more and more legal. Oh, yeah, it's legal. Holy shit. It smells dude. like – you go to a fucking concert. Oh man, and it's just like secondhand high. high. Yeah, and on top of that, it's so much stronger than the shit I got up in up in the Central Valley in fucking high school. You know? Yeah, it's really this shit strong. now is like if I like I really have to hit it. Like uh, I can't inhale. If I inhale, I'm like fucking baked for the no- whole next day. Like it's just too oh, wow. strong for me. You know? Oh, so wow. it it makes sense to me. I don't know what kind of experiences you had. It sucks when you you get like so fucked up that you're like catatonic that you're like Dude, I can't trust my brain. I just worry. I know some people eventually when they smoke pot they become it makes them paranoid. It, it the, the relaxation stops and they get paranoid more. I guess if they have a tolerance. And I just skipped right to that. I just skipped. There's well, something about alcohol I do great with. That sounds like I drink well, all the time. I mean, <laughs> but I do like. I just so, but yeah, pot man. It just like is that from just like taking like one decent sized hit, or is that like with friends who smoke too much? We're like hit this bowl and then hit this bowl and then suck on this blunt because like they're medicinal. The two that I was ended up naked and afraid were medicinal times here in California. It's like fifty times strong. Like the the first time was like in Cincinnati, Ohio, with like friends like twenty years ago. I. Some of my family, my older, my older family, my, my mom's age family, I'm not going to specify who, you know, they have experiences from being in the 70s and like being hippies and mm-hmm. being kids then. And like, yeah, weed's great. We smoke all the time. And if you give them the strong stuff now to take a hit and they're just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, it's a totally, wow. it's, it's just so much more. It's like going from like a beer to Everclear. Like, it just is like an Ooh. incredible you know, like who would drink ever? Who would take shots of Everclear? So it's I really mm-hmm. understand caution, even if you're not 11 years old. And if you're 11 mm-hmm. years old, oh man, the kids who were smoking back in what is that junior high? Is that fifth yeah. grade? Well, how old are this you? This is 11. I think it's yeah. I don't even think it's grade? middle school. Yeah, the kids so like, who were Devin. Doing, I think like you need to have a conversation with your son here because it's not a good sign. The kids it's who not were a good doing sign drugs in middle school didn't end up well, and that probably means you know like I was taught. I think too much to tell people no for peer pressure. Mm. Mom is very independent, very logical. Yeah, if people tell you you have to do stuff. You don't have to. Why would you have to listen to them? And that alienated people. Like it is, there is social cost to being an asshole yeah, to people. Oh, for sure. So I understand peer pressure better now than I did then. Back then, I just didn't make fun of them. Like, you want to do drugs? <laughs> Fuck you. So if you have a child and they're finding friendship in people who are smoking who don't have as high as standards, they're probably willing to be friends. That's a huge asset. But 
I, I would not. It's not a good sign to me if somebody's junior high yeah. getting into that crowd. The girls there are not the kind of girls you want to end up with. The guys there are not the kind of guys you want to be friends with. God, I'm so old. <laughs> you sound like a parent. Did what? that just hit you? Jesus, it's three. Can I have my supper? I need to have tea and go like rest my eyes. I wish this was video because I literally just saw your face go, holy shit. Well, <laughs> that's amazing. But you're right. You're t- 11's too young. No, it's too young. And as far as Devin, as far as where he's hiding it, I would say, honestly, it doesn't matter. He, you know he's smoking pot. Just like and instead never- of catching him and like – then he's going to find out you're searching his room. So now your son's not going to trust you. He's going to feel like you're going behind his back. Just be a just be a parent and just talk to him honestly about it and keep trying to bring it up in either a – uh, uh, a non, a non-threatening way that he wouldn't get defensive. Just keep talking to him about it until he, t- hopefully, talks to you about it. Yeah, that's the most important thing. I mean, I also don't have kids, and it's not like I was a model. I give advice on child. kids all the time, I, and I just uh, have a dog. Sorry. Right. Well, uh, people write into me, so I answer it. Yeah, I think the important thing would be to have an open line of communication and not to alienate based on this thing. And it's not like if you get all of the weed that he has access to on your premises uh, under your control. I mean, that's never stopped any of the children that I know. The parent no. being overbearing, like, he probably doesn't have any at your house because he's doing it. Where is he getting it from? Yeah. He's getting it from someone. They're going to have more. Yeah, they're going to have more. So it doesn't matter. And I don't think that the right thing is to reduce his access to those people. Like, to be like, oh, you can't see those people. I think you've, the right way to go about it would be to have healthy outlets that are different than that. But man, when I think back to school, the way, my opinion, being a cynical jackass all my life, the way that the American institutions are set up, like education, is not productive. It's not going to feel good to be an 11-year-old in school and to have to choose between the cool kids smoking weed who want to be your friend and Mm -hmm. what. There's nothing, like, if you have nothing else, like, of course you're going to make that choice. You're only 11 years old. You're not going to know that by the time you're 30, you're like, man, I wish I'd paid more attention. Mm-hmm. 30 doesn't exist. 20 doesn't exist. 13 doesn't exist at 11. Yeah, it doesn't. And it sucks, honestly, Devin. I think what you kind of have to have a conversation with your son a little bit about is that I wish your son could just kind of be a kid and just worry about just being 11. But there's you've, you've got to let them know in some – they, they are going to have to be an adult a little bit and think about it because they're doing something that kids shouldn't be doing. And the, you know? and, and the real – the real peril, I think, there is that 11 is, I think, I think 11 for me was pre-sexuality. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't, I, was, I don't think I had hit puberty. Balls were still up for me at 11. Right. I hadn't formed opinions about that. And for me, it's really valuable to have had a long period of sobriety, sobriety during, during puberty and into high school that I can reflect on and be like, I didn't like the way that was. And I had problems that I would want to address at some point in my life. Mm-hmm. Smoking solved some of those problems after I had identified them where I was socially anxious and thought too much and couldn't let go of the part where like all these kids were making these choices and being promiscuous, but weren't they considering the consequences and mm-hmm. why is it just okay for the, uh, some of them are being mean to each other, but they're still staying around each other. Smoking helped me calm down from that. And that let me investigate my own sexuality and the sexuality of others. Mm-hmm. If you start smoking and you that's your baseline when you hit puberty, you may not have a good idea of how to handle sexuality mm. later if you want to move away from smoking. That's a great. Oh, you were so good at this, Matt Marr. That that's what would worry me because I mean, honestly, I I kind of feel like we're in like 
at least in California and America in the modern age, sort of like a post scarcity economy. You know, mm-hmm. I could like not I could be homeless in Santa Monica or West LA and like not really worry about whether or not I'm going to be able to eat. I might not even worry about whether I'm going to have like fashionable clothes. Like I might mm-hmm. still be able to handle that being homeless, not working. Like you know, there's enough food, there's enough shelter. Obviously, not everyone has equal access to that. I don't want to sound dismissive, but the real economy in the future is going to be attention and a lot of that is based on sexuality is based on sexual attractiveness Mm -hmm. uh just Mm. been super valuable to me in my life to be able to reflect about how i was at a neutral state like theoretically healthy theoretically unpolluted Mm. and compare that to the choices i'm making now and to try and like that's like the baseline Mm. I don't know how you would convince an eleven-year-old that that's important. I don't. They don't even want to. They don't want to fuck girls or guys yet. That's crazy. What's about a fucking twenty years? I don't know what the fuck that's like. Yeah, I would love to have like a day where I didn't want to fuck someone. <laughs> a fucking relief, man. It would be a relief. Do you need more coffee, sir? Are you okay? Mm. Okay, we got plenty. Um, I'm already too excited. Okay, well, okay, that was. I'm loving it. Okay, let's move on to. Uh, chatty Matty questions. I think we're going to find on batteries, so it's not going to cut out. We'll see. So, Chatty, these are the same five questions I ask everybody at the end of every show. Okay. I, I, I listened to one of your podcasts when we got in touch a couple months ago, but I don't remember what they are. So okay, great. if I take time to think about them, I hope that's That's okay. all right. No, that's fine. It's a podcast. It's not like radio where you can't have silence. There's I don't mind. Commercial like, break. Commercial can, break. Yeah. People can be uncomfortable. Uh, so, Chatty Matty, number one, what's your most memorable childhood smell? Man, I'm going to say two answers because one would be the answer that I want people to remember and then two is the actual answer. (laughs) I'm using a loose definition of childhood. Vanilla, first of all, baking with vanilla extract. Uh And uh, I discovered early on when I was still probably before junior high when we were baking. Vanilla extract a lot of times has like 35% alcohol in it. Oh, I remember that. Right? So it's like Uh just put more on those fucking cookies. That's what I thought too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I don't like chocolate. Okay. I like vanilla. And I prefer vanilla. The only kind of chocolate I really like is like cookies and cream, like Oreo. And that has okay. a lot of sort of like pseudo vanilla in it. Anyways. Yeah. But the real answer is the most powerful, memorable childhood smell I have is, uh, do you ever have those bushes? Like, I don't know if they're eucalyptus, but they have like a eucalyptus looking leaf. And they smell like cum. <gasps> Oh my God! What my the friend fuck, Jake and man? Anthony, my friend Jake Anthony and I were just talking. He's like, "What are those trees? You know the one I call them cum trees. Dude, they smell like bleach." I would walk home from high school, and you know, this is after I knew what cum smelled like. Uh huh. And the only reason I knew is from my own time because I was still a virgin. Yeah. I'd be like, "Who the fuck is jizzing everywhere? What the fuck is that?" And eventually, I learned that it was a goddamn tree. And we had some by our house. We had some all on the walk home, and it just such a strong smell. And it was always so weird to me that. It was like a plant smell, but it smelled to me like a like a people smell. Yeah, and it's yeah. like you know, like I fucking you heard the way I talked about my school experiences. Like I had who the fuck was I gonna ask about? Hey, why does that plant smell like jizz? <laughs> like I just didn't act, I've, it's unresolved. I have no idea why I that is or if it's true. I had it in college, this one by the music annex. I'd have to walk across from my dorm every morning. Like 300 feet away. And I never said it because I was like, I don't want people to think right. I'm like a pervert you or like dirty. And yeah, and then my friend Jake was like, do you remember those cum trees? And I was like, Dude. yes. So yes. that's, when I, when I think about smells, that is like the most over, like, cause I, just, there's just so many unresolved issues about like the nature of earth. Like, we have trees yeah. that smell like cum? Yeah. Why? Apparently. 
Now, if I had this, I'd probably be eating the leaves. Just, <laughs> it's not. I, I'm not. This is where Matt Mar is different. We, we differentiate here. This is where we differ. All right, cup trees. Okay, Chatty Matty number two. What would be the name of your memoir? Oh man. Oh shit. God, it's all right. Take your so time. Many, so okay. many answers I could get for this. Uh, I may, in fact. Consult. I may consult my phone and see you, if I have something that I can use. Yeah, feel free. Do you need me to reach your phone? You got it. Uh, yeah. No, that's. Uh, I, yeah, I feel better just pretending that I don't have broken bones in my shoulder and just behaving in that way. It hey, to work out. You know, avoidance is um, a super popular thing right now for people. I mean, uh, what I have my Instagram tag right now when I'm my about me is whiskers and whiskey all year. Oh, that's great. So that might work, but that's not a thing. That, I, I love that. I, I love that I, your I name's called Matt Marvel, by the way. Are you into comics? Uh, I mean, I do like, I'm not really into comics. What I'm into about comics is the uh, childhood shows I saw growing up, like the Bruce Timm, Batman, yeah. and Superman, and then the Justice League show that they did in like Justice early 2000. Yeah, oh, so good, dude. So good. The boy, guy who's the voice of Green Lantern, his name is Phil Lamar. And yeah. I always tell it, I always, I met him once and I always said, he's like this big black guy. Yeah. And I met him and I said, you don't know this, but I feel like we're related. You're just like the French version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Cajun version, yeah. maybe. Like, like, you're like, yeah, yeah. Anyway. No, uh, that's, that's why I like comics. But yeah, Matt Marvel has worked for me. I could do, I could do that. Um, back in the day, before I grew a mustache, I had a chin strap beard. And mm-hmm. so I have like at least one halfway decent picture of me from like some Halloween where I'm just dressed as Lincoln. So oh. I was like Turbo Lincoln for a while. Oh, that's um, cool. I don't know. That's Give me- cool. I like whiskey. I like whiskeys, whiskey, whiskey and whiskers. And I like it, that. It's pretty consistent for like going on eight years now that that is a thing that's been in my life. So that one, I I have told people before where they're like, I don't know. I'm like, well, what's your hashtag? And that's funny that you said that. So yeah, I could do like Matt Marvel whiskers and whiskey all year. I like, and it's you know it's your memoir. It, I have a feeling. Who knows? I have a feeling you might be on the dramatic show again, and uh, maybe you can re-answer that question. Yeah, I'll think about it for next time, I suppose. That's a good, good lead-up. I can put it in the intro and outros of each, like on somebody else's show. <laughs> Say, by the way, I talked to Matt Marr. <laughs> and he's getting this close. He's to getting real, this close. To here's a about, new suggestion. You know, yeah. I love that. that would, that's going to confuse at least one person in the audience. Yes. They're going to be like, they're gonna be like, you've talked to Matt. You are Matt Marr. Well, welcome to this show. Yeah, this is a meta show. I should have said, this is real fucking meta, everybody. That's... That's like the. I'm sorry, I'm geeking out over that being a thing. I love, I love that. I love yeah, meta. It's meta <laughs> as fuck. Do you want to move on, or you want to wait? I can look. I don't mind. No, you. Let's move on, and I'll just okay. double check if I have anything that. Will okay. Get closer. Okay, Chatty Matty number three. What's the best piece of advice you wished you had taken earlier? Oh, wished I'd taken earlier. Well, right now, yeah, going on 31 and having spent time doing comedy and moving away from that. Because I don't like the way I would have to behave to be business successful in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say that, like, the advice about saying no to peer pressure comes at a cost. The advice where I just felt empowered to, like, I mean, a lot of the teachers were wrong and less smart than me. And I'm going to put that in quotes because I don't know if that's actually true, but, like, I feel like I'm still accurate about that mm-hmm. or they just didn't care necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I just felt empowered to tell them to fuck off. Mm-hmm. 
But I felt empowered to do that as if it would have no cost to me, as if there wouldn't be later missed opportunities like, oh, I've never really had a mentor figure mm. because anybody who tries to give me advice, I just tell them to fuck off because if they're not agreeing with me, they're probably wrong in my experience. Mm. And then you, how many times do you do that before someone stops giving you advice? Once. You tell them to fuck yeah. off once. And then yeah. they may have more accurate advice later once they get to know you better, but they don't get to know you better because you don't have a friendship there. Mm. And the advice would just be that even if you're right, the choices you make still have consequences associated with them. Mm. You know, like I just grew up with like superhero shows and stuff and it's like, they just do the right thing. And part of the like hero myth is that you do the right thing at cost. And it just didn't filter into me. You, know? you were like living as a kid as a DC and then you grew up and you're like, Oh, this life is really like Marvel. Right, right, right. <laughs> and like, I, I didn't get along with religious people mm-hmm. and who were, because I just don't like organized religion, but I don't mm-hmm. like organized anything. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that, the, that that's a net negative for humanity and for individual humans. Other people finding solace in a community of people, I don't need to shit on that. Yeah. What do I gain out of that? Mm-hmm. And so the part where I was younger and I was just more aggressive and more comfortable, you know, tradition exists for a reason. It can be positive. It's not inherently a negative controlling mm-hmm. thing. Hmm understanding that from this position is like, Oh, I probably should have done better in school and tried harder in college and like had some career options at 30. That wasn't very wise. I didn't really ever expect to make it this far. It didn't occur that it was Mm -hmm. a real thing that people get old. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's probably a pretty standard. And again, and that's just perspective. Cause if you talk to someone like I even as someone as I'm 38, I could look at you in 31, and I already, even with Are only, you? You're 38? Yeah, I'm 38. With se- I thought we were about the same age. No, thank you. Skin cream. Um, with uh, all those all those <laughs> countries, I'm just ba- baby. Yeah, I'm going to take nuts. You, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna t- I don't know what to do with my face. Okay, I'll help you. And so, but with seven years difference, even though being 38, I am more of the mindset now of when you tell me you're 31 or about to be 31, I'm like, oh, man. So much opportunity then. So much like ahead of you. So much doesn't have to be decided yet. Like right. that's my perception. And so then it reminds me, well, if that's my perception now, now I understand when. Because I used to think when adults would, I would say, oh, I'm 38. And they would go, oh, so young. And I would think they're just fucking saying that right. because they're 50. But now I'm going, oh, when I'm 50, I am going to. Because I think that about you and you're 30. I'm like, Oh man, if I'd had the confidence I had when I was 30 or if I was doing that or if I knew that like, oh, I don't want to do this when I was 30, I look at you and I'm like, you're ahead of the game more than I was. You know, it's I, such I can, perception. I can refine it based on this conversation. This is the thing that's occurred to me that I didn't let myself do stuff when I was younger that I didn't think that I could top later. If I didn't have two plans, I wouldn't do the first plan, you know? Mm. If I had opportunities, I'm like, yeah, but what would I do after that? What would be well, how would I make that sustainable? I just wouldn't do it mm. like I it w- didn't it wasn't important to me that would be a thing because I don't really feel like I have regrets I, I feel like I usually did the best I could at the time that it ha- happened with I think the most people do that I do you know like I would prefer to think about it like that like if, if I live my life over again I'd probably make all the same choices because mm-hmm. based on the stimulus that's just how mm-hmm. I felt you know that's what I felt was the right choice but if what I've realized is that I really restrain myself and nobody benefited from that. I'm like, yeah, but that wouldn't be like with girls and stuff. I wouldn't write crazy love letters and I wouldn't give them gifts. Cause like, well, what would the next gift I would get them be? I don't have that lined up. So I can't do mm. this first cool one. Cause I'll never be able to meet that mark again. Mm. And I guess that's like 
probably insecurity. I think it's insecure, but it's, it's you know you said the word other earlier about expectations. I think it's also it sounds like to you to me, and I could be wrong. So just but it sounds almost like you have high expectations of yourself. Well, I I mean what it boils down to is that like. I had some expectation that I could like find a routine and find a pattern and find a way to live life that things wouldn't change. And that's not going to stop you from fucking dying one day. So eventually (laughs) it's not sustainable. Yeah. And my focus when I was younger on making everything be sustainable, held me back in a number of ways where I was just like, yeah, but why would you do that? Like you're only going to get to do that once. It's like, that's not, I I would try to tell my, I would try to tell past Matt Marr about that and, he would be future Matt Marr. Get the fuck out of here. You're using your time machine incorrectly. That's a, that's a <laughs> lame way to use your time machine. Give me the numbers for the lottery. I would be like, I didn't bring them. Oh, I failed. So I like that. I like that time machine. Uh, all right. Chatty Maddie number four. Uh, what day would be your groundhog day? So what day was like such a fun, cool day? Oh, what day like, would I choose? To yeah. What day would you choose? Day? You're like, I could do that day several times. That was such a fun day. Yeah, I should have looked at these questions. I would be, uh, this would be a faster part. No, it's okay because I, I actually, you know, some people are like very rehearsed and that's fine too. But I, you know, was there like a, I don't know, like the day you're talking about, the day you stood up on the board. I don't know. Um, there was at least a couple that were like really high watermarks for my experience. We we went, when we were still, when me and my uh, close friends were still our foreman improv troupe. We went back to Sacramento after six months of being in LA. Mm-hmm. We performed for all our old friends and we packed the little, uh, the studio room, the audience for the, mm-hmm. for the stage. It was like a 60 seat auditorium, mm-hmm. like handmade hand, hand card by Chris Crotty. And we had like mm-hmm. 120 people in there, like 160 people, you know, like we, we just, we killed it. Those are absolute, that's absolutely, I would be amazed if I ever had an opportunity to even attempt to do work as good as that in that sort of field. Mm. And that's back in like 2011. Uh, I would love to experience that whole weekend. That would be a place if I was stuck in there, that would be great. Mm. That's like the goal for being in entertainment. You show up with all your old friends. Everybody's in love with you. They're helping you meet people you haven't seen for years. And they're like, you can just come hang out with us in this group of 14 girls that were having a bachelorette party. <laughs> I mean, they were having a graduation. It was, you know, not a bachelorette party, but it was pretty but close. It, yeah, pretty close. And they put us up for the night. And like, it was just like, you know, not the way that real life entertainment is, mm-hmm. even when it's like that for weeks at a time, there's always downtime and there's always stress and there's always mm-hmm. strife. And in the beginning of that trip, we were really working as a team. I could also say I went to Coachella last year and that was bomb mm. and helped me realize that emotionally I'd like moved away from trying to be happy. Like mm. it helped open me up. I try not to say that word a lot. Happy. Happy. Like, I try to, I might say the word like contentment to people or because I feel like happy is such a loaded word for people, especially in Western civilization, that people beat themselves up for not feeling happy and because it's all future thinking instead of present uh, thinking. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that it's a good thing to have as like a goal or to really, because, you know, for me, having that as a goal when I was younger and making choices like that, I'm like, no, oh, fuck school, I'm going to do comedy, I'm going to move here, fuck this girl, like not not fuck this girl anymore because yeah. I don't care. Uh, it was almost more valuable for me to realize that that's not really a goal in and of itself. That's an internal state and mm-hmm. my emotions lie to me like all the time. And so to make choices based on whether or not I'm happy is like a total scam. Like yeah. that's like making choices based on the weather. 
Yeah. You don't have to let that shit affect your shit at all. I can be unhappy and still work effectively, still perform yes. effectively. Mm-hmm. That's a more valuable realization. But And a more realistic. Yeah, but having that realization, being here and then moving away from comedy, and then also having the further realization that, oh, but on the same token, you don't really need to like give up on being happy. Like no. You should probably consider it at least a little bit, even if you then throw it away after you've considered it. And I had just like forgotten to think about it for like years. Well, that makes me think of, too, like the last chatting matter question actually is, and I, I asked that question, this question because it's not always when people are in the happiest state, but the question is, when are you most inspired? Because for some people, sometimes that happens when they're quote-unquote happy. Sometimes, you know, I've heard one, one of my guests said, I'm the most inspired when I'm at my lowest because that's where I have to think of options. So, yeah. so you know, I'm, but I mean, so for you, like when, or some people say I'm inspired in the morning or at five o'clock or so for you, like when are you, when do you get inspired? Well, the answer that is most often true in my life over the course of the 30 years of my life is that I've been most inspired when I have a consistent group of people to play Dungeons and Dragons with. (laughs) That's amazing. That's what gets me to like be capable of writing and staying up all night, churning out ideas and refining Uh them and, you know, that was what I did when I was like seven or eight that eventually led into me being interested in improv mm-hmm. and comedy and entertainment whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That is a huge positive influence on my life. And, you know, when I was doing comedy, I was certain like I spent like four or five years where I had only ever skipped one weekend in a row, like uh, mm-hmm. maybe two or three weekends out of a whole year for like four or five years straight doing shows for people, mm-hmm. um, usually for pay, but you know, like also free shows, but legitimate shows where mm-hmm. I didn't know the audience and it was like, it could go bad. Mm-hmm. And even just moving away from that for like a week or two, negative mental health effects. is like, Oh, I really need that. Not doing that for a couple of years is like, Ooh, I think I can be okay. The Dungeons and Dragons, man, that's really, I love writing like Saturday morning cartoon plots Mm -hmm. and like having kitschy voices like that, you know, I, 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 for like the last decade have been usually more often than not the dungeon master for my group of Mm -hmm. old school friends. So I love having like stock voices, like a goblin voice, you know, like, Mm-hmm. The heroes are here. I love that shit like that where you can really. That's why I got it back into animation. Voice. I just started it like four months ago, and the reason I did it is because. Oh yeah, you have that TBS thing that's coming up on. Uh... Well, no, well, yeah, that. Or but I mean, you talking about separate. But I mean, like doing the class. Oh, that okay. TBS thing I did the voices just because we created. We didn't want to pay anybody to do it because we didn't have the money to, in funny. the budget. But the voiceover class. The reason I got into it is because as a six, seven, eight-year-old kid. I would. I was more interested in more than the Disney movies and the Saturday morning cartoons and the Justice League old cartoons. Yeah. I loved seeing when they would show like uh, – they would do this more on the Disney Channel, but they would show the behind the scenes of the actors doing the voices. And that's what I fell in love with as a kid and would play around with my voice. And so when I started doing that class now, like literally the first class, I, I left Terry because it was like I reconnected with that child. Yeah, you found a thing you – and that's why I want to yeah. continue. I think I can make money from it too and actually develop work. But I also feel like those usually are the things that you're successful at that. Like you, you get back to that six-year-old kid. Do you, like, do you like tear up when you watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I don't tear up at that movie. Um, <laughs> I love that movie. 
I, I do tear. I have teared up at episodes of the Justice League, actually. I, I think and like great. and like and like the Bruce Timm Batman, like watching those. But yeah, like the whole like Thanagarian with Hawk Girl yeah, and yeah, Greenland, yeah. and like to, and which she like betrayed. Yeah, 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 totally yeah. made me like tear up and get teary. All Star Superman. Have you seen that? Just I haven't seen anything more recent. And when people like they have like the bold Batman or Batman the bold and the brave, uh-huh. and it's just like mm, that's it's right. not really. I that's can't not. really. It's but All Star All Star Superman is. Totally made me cry. Totally made me cry. I, I actually... It came out like four years ago. I was one of the few people who enjoyed Batman versus Superman. I didn't hate it. I, I, I was glad I saw it in like 3D I in the theaters. Like having it like very pretty, you know, wasn't as good as it could be, I admit. The extended cut's better. It makes more sense. I haven't watched that yet. I haven't watched that yet. Um, to me, the price of admission was worth just the one part. Spoilers alert for anyone who hasn't. Spoiler alert. Watch out. Batman fights Superman. Uh, and you have Ben Affleck, Batman, which is great, and he does his like training montage. I thought he was a great Batman. He's, he's like the best Bruce Wayne, hands down, and and one and of I the best Batman. I didn't think he would be. A, I figured he'd be a good Batman. I didn't think he'd be a good Bruce Wayne because one of my friends said right. they said you know like one reason why um, Michael Keaton and why what's his name who just did Batman before were kind of good is that you believe they were kind of grew up with rich silver spoons in their mouth mm. and you don't see that with. And I said, oh, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. But he totally pulled it off. I thought he was great. I really thought that it's the best, like... The casting is not the problem in that movie. It's, oh, no, it's, no, no, It's pep- z- bits of Zack Snyder. What did you have, like, four writers? Like, it's just like... And Zack Snyder is just... They're changing it now, but he's gotta, too doom and gloom. He's he's George Lucas. you got to get somebody in and, like, calm him down and, yes. and edit for yes. him or something. Yes, But uh, yes. the price of admission was worth it to me when you see Superman just chilling... And like he's like, oh okay, I guess I'll go help here. I don't really know what to do with these powers. I'm like, oh, he is a farm boy. He just sees a thing on television. He's like, wait, shit, I could go save those people in Peru. What am I yeah. thinking? And Bruce Wayne is like doing all this work to be a hero. He's like lifting these huge big rig tires and like doing ropes. He's like crossfitting all over the place because yeah. like if Batman fucks up, the criminals kill him. Like he's dead. He's yeah, gone. he's dead. And then he goes to fight Superman, and he's fighting Superman. He's got this plan, and he's like beating the shit out of Superman. He's like. Punching him against the wall, and Superman doesn't know what's happening because he's never been hit by Kryptonite before in this film franchise. And he's like, pow, pow, crack. And like, you can see Ben Affleck, you know, if you give the movie some credit, you can see Ben Affleck act a little bit with just his jawline in the Batman mask, yeah. where like he goes from hitting him and like making him bleed, and then like he hits him and it's sort of like hitting a wall. He's like, pow, pow, crack, crunch. And he hits him and it just breaks his hand through yeah. his super suit. And, he's, and he looks down and he looks up and he's like, oh shit, I am about to fucking die. This guy is an alien and he's going to punch me into the moon. And Superman starts flying up and it's just like, that, that's a great moment. You can really feel like him having the realization of his nightmare of some alien god about to destroy the planet. And he's the only one who can stop it. And he fucked it up and he didn't do it. That little moment right there, I was like, ooh, nerd goosebumps. Yeah, I got a lot of nerds. And then I watched Lego Batman the other day and I was like, shit, this is the best Batman movie I've ever seen done. It yet. I've heard it. That's what everybody oh said. Everybody said it's the best one. Did you one. like the Lego movie? Yeah, I loved it. And you like Batman. And I like Batman. Go watch the fucking Lego Batman movie. Best Batman movie I've That's ever seen. I'm sorry to set your hype level high. I don't want to put expectations you, Everybody for it, else already did. It's great. I didn't know. Why are we just now talking about nerdy stuff, Matt Maher? Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it just seemed like the right thing to do was to have a bedrock foundation <laughs> of... Don't ever trust your brain, but also, <laughs> damn, do I love Batman. We got to the deep emotional yeah. stuff first, and yeah. then now we're... We had to leave on a high note, you know? Leave. Batman's great. On uh, well, this is um, 
Well, maybe if you, because I already told my boyfriend that the weekend Wonder Woman comes out, I probably will see it every day for about four or five days. So if you want to come to one of those with me, you're more than welcome to. I, I have no guarantees that I can handle that more than once. Uh, well, if you want to go to the one, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to, I'm pretty sure I'm going to watch it. So hopefully it's good. Hopefully it's good. I talk a lot during movies normally. And also it's good for me to set up expectations whenever I'm out with people in public that wherever I am, I'm going to be the loudest person and people three blocks down are going to hear me. So that as long as you're okay with that. As long as you're okay with that. Then I'm in. All right. All right. Um, this was unexpected and great and wonderful and like really just um, – it just I, – I really feel like whatever. God, Judy Garland, whatever you believe it. But I'm like – I literally was meant to like have this conversation with you today. Like it really, because I think it it gave me a lot of ahas. But I think so many people listening are going to relate to you. Well, I'm happy to have the opportunity. I mean, it has not been my favorite month the way I've been like trying not to hurt myself worse. Mm-hmm. And this is a real uplifting moment to get to share some of the stuff that some of the like emotional strife that I'm rediscovering. You know, you're never really more than like a few bad days away from feeling not great. Yeah. For me, at least no matter how much work I do. So it's always important for me to like, if I have that experience to have the part where I remember that I can come out on the other Mm -hmm. side and everything is going to be okay. And if it's not okay with me, it still is going to be is it still still is. It still is. So it still is. I should get with it. We need a, like a Matt Marr handshake. We'll take that like, for next show. For the you know, there is a. I'm pretty sure I made a Facebook. There is, group. I like that you had like the M because it's an maybe. M. Yeah. Uh, oh, I got. I kind of like really that. Use my right arm. No, for don't, today, don't, so. don't 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 hurt your arm. Like, I like it. Um, you have soft hands, Matt Mar. Why? Well, maybe it's a Matt Mar. My boyfriend says. I had a whole month of like not being able to like do anything, lifting everything. Are you, are you right-handed? You know, I'm. I was pretty ambidextrous as a kid, so oh, it was like good. half and half for what I learned. But most of the fine motor control, writing, mm. and like eating, I ended up doing with my right hand. Mm. So uh, this has been frustrating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Well, um, thank you. You know, it's up to you. Usually, at the end of the show, I ask people where people can find them. If you want people to find you on Twitter, Instagram, but, but I don't know. If you want to keep that price, it's up to you. I'm just not great at, uh, I'm going to be honest with the audience <laughs> that I am not, I'm, I'm worse than I've ever been about like social media. It's okay. You don't, I had really, my friend Jake, I asked him that and he said, don't fucking find me. People. Don't fucking find me. That's what he said. Uh, but <laughs> I, I am Matt Marvel, two T's, two R's on uh, Instagram. And mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm not guaranteeing that I'll like follow you back or even like allow you to follow me. Cause I, I don't know how I, one yeah, of them, like getting out of, crazy. The idea of comedy is like, yeah, I this don't isn't necessarily Adam, want to be famous. This like, isn't ooh. Adam Carolla. So, like, I don't have that many. You're not going to no, have that many listeners. I have you no know. projects on the horizon. I have, like, two like, people who might text you or be like, that was good. That'll be I, good. You know, I'll take it. If, if, you really, if it's important to you and you're listening and you feel like you have something to say, even if you haven't seen them but you want to insult the quality of my balls, like, I'll take <laughs> it, man. Let me know. Let him know. And on that, everybody, you know the drill. So um, I'll talk to you a little bit on the outro of the show. But Matt Marr, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Matt Marr. This was great. And for the rest of you, do something. Be of service for someone this week. And I'll see you next week. Bye. 
that's it, everybody. You've just listened to the 100th episode of The Dear Maddie Show with Matt Marr. Literally, Matt Marr times two. I mean, let me know what you thought. I know this was a different episode. I, what I enjoyed, but actually what I loved about this conversation is, I have to say, like, you know, Matt and I have texted some uh, since he has, since we did the show, and we definitely do feel more connected now as friends. Because he was so, I was shocked and blown over and just awed about, really, not to use like big words for, I mean it's for a big thing, the way he was so open about his life and vulnerable about it and also too unapologetic about sometimes we're not in the best places of our life and I thought that to be able to talk about happiness and contentment and joy, we have to be able to talk about sadness and pain and anxiety and anger and the, because it's kind of working through, talking about those things, working through those, you know, those negative emotions is where we get where we get that joy, where we get that fulfillment, where we get that realization of, oh, I am, I am a more capable, stronger, autonomous person than I knew I was to begin with. And I really got, I just got that from this conversation with Matt. He was just such a, he was all heart and he really put it out there. And I just, like I said, I feel closer to him. I mean, he's, we're related. He's a Matt We're related. So he's my family. So everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, we're going to keep going strong. Dear Maddie 100, I can't wait till we do the 200, everybody. So you know the drill. Leave a review. That always helps. Listen to TV, Tea Time, other podcasts. If you want to ask me an advice question, you can go to DearMaddieShow.com. And if you love this episode, share it with your friends. That is really the, the biggest thing you can do for me is telling other people about this show on social media or in life. All right. I love you. 